Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. As we continue our series, Family Matters, we dive into the reasons why we have differences and conflicts in our families. God models for us ways to continue our relationships in a healthy way, even in the midst of our differences. We are in the midst of a, a sermon series called Family Matters. And we began this on Mother's Day, this journey, where we're looking at the family and some of the issues that family has, right? Um, we, believe that, we, we believe that this sermon series is good for us because for, regarding family matters because family matters to God. And our very first week on Mother's Day, we discussed on how the purpose of the family is to be the main unit of loving care. In other words, the closest people to you, the people who are blood, you know, relatives and things like that, our step families, our, our mixed families, all these different kinds of families, they're designed to be the place where loving care is, is brought about, is taught, is, is experienced, and all these different things. And then last week, for Pentecost Sunday, we, we learned, too, that the church is actually an extension of our families, that the relationships within the church are to be just like our familial relationships, to be loving and filled, of, filled with care for one another, right? But the one thing that we've constantly talked about, but we really haven't really dove into, is simply that we all know that family can be messy sometimes, Right? I mean, you think about, we just talked with the kids about siblings. Siblings don't always get along very well. We don't always see eye to eye with our uncle or our aunts or, you know, our parents. Of course, we never see eye to eye with our parents occasionally, right? We, there's, there's a lot of mess in family. And sometimes we might wonder, we might just ask ourselves this question, why, Lord? Why? <laughs> right? Why is this so difficult sometimes? Why does there have to be this conflict? Why, there, why is there differences? And really, I, I feel like one of, the, one of the easiest examples of this mess in families are sibling rivalries, right? Let's be honest. Now, if you don't have any siblings, you might not have experienced this. You were spoiled and the only child and you were given everything. You're supposed to laugh. I, I'm, I was going to be an only child. No, I'm just kidding. But the reality of it is, even only children have differences in their families. Let's be honest about this. Only children, there's still moments. But in any case, sibling rivalry, though, if you've had a brother or a sister, it really, like, as a kid, you really experience this, this kind of angst that you get. And I have a friend, his name's Byron, and he has two other brothers. And at, at one of their weddings, they took a picture of the three of them together. And I think this picture sums up sibling rivalries perfectly. <laughs> now, the, the, the gentleman without hair, uh, he is the oldest, okay? This gentleman right here, he is the middle child. And my friend Byron here on the right, he is the baby of the family. And if you know anything about birth orders, oftentimes the firstborn 
and the babies go at it the most, and the middle children are usually the ones who try to play peacemaker. Usually. This it doesn't always apply. But I thought that this picture summed it up perfectly because in my own family, even though I have stepsisters, I'm the baby. Um, I, I guarantee you that if you had to put my oldest sister, Erin, right there in that spot, she probably would want to punch me occasionally because there are moments where Erin and I don't get along at all. Like, just not, not one, one bit. And Sarah, our, my middle, our, the, the middle sister, she's always on the side of things. Let's, let's, let's keep things, you know, relaxed and all that. So... You know, the thing of it is that sibling rivalry brings arguments and fights. There's tattling, right? Brothers and sisters tattle on one another, right? Um, and there's often a struggle. There's often a struggle when we have brothers and sisters. Well, kids, I've got bad news. It doesn't go away whenever you grow up. Believe it or not, as you grow older, there's moments too as an adult that there's still sibling rivalries, I wondered why there were sibling, sibling rivalries amongst adults, and I learned something really interesting this year, or, or this week, this year. I learned it this year. For adults, when we, when we graduate from high school and we go out and we begin to live our own lives and things like that, that's sort of like this, it, it's this event where there's this direct line of individuality, right? And you get to be your individual from your parents. But that doesn't happen with siblings. That's not really a celebration of you going away from your siblings. It's a celebration of you going away from your parents. And so oftentimes when we're adults, our sibling rivalries stay intact because we never had this moment where we said, do I treat you any differently now? <laughs> That's sort of why. But the reasons behind sibling rivalries are, are, are like this. Go ahead and just start with, yeah. Often there are sibling rivalries because there's a difference in talents, in personalities, and perspectives. Anytime that you're different from another person, there's going to be differences. You see things differently. You do things differently. And sometimes those things develop a competition. Uh, you, you, there can be a competition among siblings to be the best and the brightest or the the best with music, or all those different kinds of things. Another reason for sibling rivalries, a competition for attention, right? Um, mom gave more attention to this child than this child at this point, and therefore, things are not right with the world, because I need the most attention, because I'm the baby. Uh, wait, I just spoke for myself there. I apologize. <laughs> But there's a competition for attention. And lastly, in individuality. Sibling rivalries often happen because kids, or even us adults, are looking to set ourselves apart from the rest of the family. There might be parts of the family that we're not necessarily fond of. And we're like, no, I'm going to be my own person. I'm going to be my own individual. Did you know that, that God created us different from another for a reason. And these differences that so often become a point of contention in our relationships really should be something that is celebrated. God made each and every one of us in this room, everybody in your family, unique from one another. 
There's personality profiles. You, you ever taken a personality profile and they, 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 they bring you down to one of eight or one of 16 and things like that? And you're like, oh, yeah, this is me. You know, that's, it's so ridiculous to think that there's only, only eight kinds of people in the world or 16 kinds of people in this world, okay? There's, there's a personality profile called Strength Finders, and I, I really love this. But Strength Finders looks to give people an understanding about what their strengths are, what their highest strengths are, what their, what their biggest weaknesses are. And they have 34 different themes, right? Strength Finders is, finds the uniqueness of people to a point of 1 in 34 million. In other words, your strength and the order of your strengths, that 34 strengths, you are 1 in 34 million people that have that exact list of strengths in that way. But the reality is we know that if you find another person in that 34 million, I guarantee you they look different from you. Probably have a different hair color, different eye color, different stature, right? The reality of it is God makes us all unique. And this has been sibling rivalries and differences in families and things like that have been going on since the beginning. So today, I'm hoping that we can begin to discover how to live into our relationships with one another, like our siblings or maybe even our parents or aunts or uncles or even with each other in, in a better way that, that does relationships in a godly way in our families. So we're going to go back to the very first sibling rivalry that we know of in Scripture. Genesis chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. And this is the story of Cain and Abel. How many of you know what happens at the end of Cain and Abel? Okay, spoiler alert. One of them passes away because of the other brother. <laughs> this is the first account of murder we hear. Now, I, I say that to get that out of the way because really the, the, the immense amount of, of richness in this scripture passage is at, at the beginning. What leads up to the sin. And there's some really significant things that if we just take notice of, we begin to understand how in the world siblings would even commit this atrocity with one another. And how God shows us how to relate with one another on the other side. So if you want to turn your Bibles, you can. It will be up here as well. And uh, this is what we read. The man Adam knew his wife Eve intimately, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And said, I have given life to a man with the Lord's help. She gave birth a second time to Cain's brother Abel. Abel cared for the flocks, and Cain farmed the fertile land. And some time later, Cain presented an offering to the Lord from the land's crops, while Abel presented his flock's oldest offspring with their fat. The Lord looked favorably upon Abel and his sacrifice, but didn't look favorably upon Cain and his sacrifice. Cain became very angry and looked resentful. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why do you look so resentful? If you do the right thing, won't you be accepted? But if you don't do the right thing, sin will be waiting at the door, ready to strike. It will entice you, but you must rule over it. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. When they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. 
The Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's guardian? And the Lord said, what did you do? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. You are now cursed from the ground that opened its mouth to take your brother's blood from your hand. When you farm the fertile land, it will no longer grow anything for you, and you will become a roving nomad on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Now that you've driven me away from the fertile land, and I am hidden from your presence, I'm about to become a roving nomad on the earth, and anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord said to him, no, it won't happen. Anyone who kills Cain will be paid back seven times. And the Lord put a sign on Cain so that no one who found him would assault him. Cain left the Lord's presence and he settled down in the land of Nod, east of Eden. It's so interesting to read this because it, it speaks to what we experience with our brothers and sisters. There are moments you want to deck your brother and sister to the point of, yeah, let's go out to the field. Let's go out back, brother. Let's have a good time. But the interesting thing is, is leading up to this moment, what, before even the sin occurs, there's some relationship dynamics that go on here that I think maybe Cain might have stopped what he's doing if he recognized the difference. First of all, they bring sacrifices to God. Now, you and I don't really get this kind of a thing because we don't, we don't necessarily bring sacrifices to God. And this was sort of before the temple happened um, for, for Jews and things like that. So it's interesting that they would do this. But a lot of, a lot of people think that they gave to God out of, out of thanksgiving. Hey, God, you gave us life and everything like that. So they bring an offering. Now, here's the key here. They bring an offering to God. Abel brings his first offspring of his flocks. He, he, he took care of animals, livestock, and things like that. And then Cain brought crops, vegetables, things, things of that nature, right? And we're not given a reason, specifically, why God prefers Abel's over Cain's. I can tell you why, though. It's very simple. When I read the things that say, Abel presented his flock's oldest offspring with their fat, I read bacon. And bacon beats vegetables every day. <laughs> I'm joking there because, again, our, our, our Jewish brothers and sisters wouldn't see that, actually. Judaism, they don't eat bacon. But, but <laughs> it's, that's not a kosher joke. Okay, never mind. Uh, <laughs> but the reality of it is, God chooses Abel's offering over Cain's. Now, some of the scripture sort of implies that it's not necessarily about the offering itself. It's sort of how Cain presents the offering. There's a little bit of clues in there. It's like, well, I'm just doing this for whatever, so here's an offering. That's what it's sort of like. Parents, have your, have your kids ever done anything they obeyed you, but it was with resentment, right? Has, has that ever happened to you before? Yeah? Yeah. Something like that, you know? I'll clean my room. Okay, you know, that kind of thing. So God chooses this. Now, this, this is where 
Cain falls into a distinct trap. Because Cain sees the rejection of his sacrifice as how God loves him. He equates this sacrifice moment as a detriment to his own self-worth. And I think that this is best communicated in the, per, in, in the words of acceptance versus approval. I believe that the majority of the issues that we have in our families, between our siblings, between parents and kids and kids and parents and uncles and aunts and all these different folks and with our friends and all these different things, is that oftentimes we don't see the difference between acceptance and approval. Here's what acceptance is. Acceptance is to be received as adequate or suitable. This is about a person. You, person, are good enough for me to love you and to care for you and watch over you. You cannot love somebody and not accept them. And let's be really honest. Acceptance means that when you say, I accept you, you're bringing in with that all of the issues of that person. You don't get to just say, well, I really like this part of your personality, but this side, don't ever bring it up near me. No, 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 no. When you accept, you're saying, yeah, you are adequate. I respect you. You are loved. There is no time in this where God does not accept Cain. God continues his relationship with Cain even after he commits murder. That is an unbelievable act of love and acceptance on God's part. But in the moment when Cain is offering up his sacrifice to God... God doesn't approve of the sacrifice and how the sacrifice was given. And this is what approval is. Approval is to agreeing to something or accepting something as satisfactory. Approval is far more about attitude and actions and performance and all the things that we like to distinguish ourselves as. If I get to this point, if I offer this, if I can do all of these things, and it will be approved. That's when we mistake approval for acceptance. I believe that this is a distinct issue that we see time and time again, not just in our families, but in the society at large. We don't talk to one another because we think if somebody doesn't approve of our actions or our performance, then they have rejected us and hate us and don't accept us. But the reality of it is, is that we are all longing to be accepted and loved. And if we place approval and we equate approval with acceptance, we will begin to cut off our relationships with our families, with our siblings, with our friends, with our church friends. Let me, let, me, let me bring this out a little bit practically, okay? Kids grow up. 
Yeah, they grow up. Kids grow up, and they become their own person, right? And until they're about 18, parents tend to provide for them. They feed them, they clothe them, they provide, you know, they get them ball practice, all these different kinds of things, right? But that, that number of, we, we, in our society, it's 18, right? You become an adult all of a sudden. You're magically empowered with all of the responsibilities and burdens of an adulthood, right? And basically, that's usually the cutoff point, too, for parents to say, hey, Go and be your own person, and usually kids are wanting to be their own person by that time, right? Some are like, my 12-year-old wants to be independent of me already. But as they grow up, they begin to take on values themselves. They begin to do things their own way, maybe differently. As we talked about, differences in family cause conflict. And so when kids go off and do their own thing, and parents say, you know... I wouldn't do that if, you, if I were you. What the parents are doing is saying, hey, trust me, I've been through life a little bit. This is probably not the best thing to do. I, I don't necessarily approve of what you're doing. But parents aren't cutting them off in relationship. They're trying to love their kids. But sometimes kids see that, 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 that approval or rather disapproval, as their parents not accepting them any longer. Same thing with siblings, in the, in the same kind of way that we think that our brother and sister gets more intention than us. They always get this. They always get that. When in reality, there's probably a potential reasoning why mom and dad have to spend a little bit more time with this sibling over another. They could be in this very important developmental phase. There could be things going on in that child's life. Older kids get better, get better things a lot of times because guess what? They have more responsibility, right? But we get upset with our siblings because we see this as a disapproved. We, we think that we're not being accepted rather than we're just not being approved. The reality of it is, friends, is that we cannot equate acceptance and approval, period. Go ahead in the next slide, yeah. Most family disputes happen because we equate the, those two together. So, what does God do? What can we learn from what God does in this moment? Well, first of all, Right around the time that Cain and Abel bring their sacrifices, God sees it in Cain. He goes, why are you angry? Why do you look resentful right now? And I think this is so key, that God is, is concerned about Cain in this moment. He might not have, the, the sacrifice thing aside, God is still accepting who Cain is, and he's concerned about Cain. And so he gives this warning, like a parent would. He says, be careful. Sin might be knocking at your door right now. But Cain is so mad at God, he misplaces this moment, in this moment, and he takes it out on his brother. When in reality, the issue was with God not accepting his sacrifice. 
with God saying, eh, come on, you can do, you can do something different here. And then Cain does the unthinkable. After this happens, God shows up again. And we might expect God to be like, you're done, gone. See you later. But God doesn't do that. There is consequence for what Cain does, as there's always consequences with our actions, as there's always consequences when there's disapproval. But God doesn't end the relationship. In fact, God not only stays in relationship with Cain, he says to Cain, nobody's going to kill you like you think. In fact, you're going to be provided for in a lot of ways. You're not going to be killed by somebody else just because you did this. And sure enough, if you continue to read, Cain has a family of his own. Cain continues to be in the world because God allows him to be, because God cares for him, because God accepts him and even the terrible thing that he just did. Obviously did not approve. So, how do we disapprove in love? Not mistaking acceptance and approval. How do we disapprove in love? First of all, by the way, if you've gone through marriage counseling before, this is going to look a lot like conflict resolution. <laughs> Share your perspective and your feelings. If you've got a grievance with somebody, it's important for you to share what's going on. You disapprove with whatever has happened, whether somebody has, done, has, has morally done something wrong against you or whether it's just this kind of attitude like the, the scripture sort of suggests and things like that. It's important, though, that in that conflict, it's important to share your perspective or your feelings on the matter. Bring it up. It's okay. There's differences in the world. If we did not bring this up, we would never have resolution. Next, seek to understand the other perspective. And this is the toughest thing, right? Especially for kids, and we're talking to our parents. What do you mean? But try to walk in the shoes of the person who you're in disagreement with. Try to understand. I've said this before. In our, in our small group a few weeks ago, I said this. All people do things for reasons. We don't always know what the reasons are. But everybody does something for a particular reason. If, if somebody's treating you poorly, it's probably because they were treated poorly in a way that totally undermine their self-worth. If, if, if you are being, if somebody continues to, to go to, to chemicals and 
to the bottle or, or drugs and things like that. It's because something has happened that their psyche is, is not in a place to cope and they've never learned a coping skill. They don't know how to do it. Everybody does things for a reason. It doesn't mean it's, that doesn't make it right. But there are reasons behind every single one of us. Just like we have sibling rivalries. <laughs> There's reasons behind that. So begin, try to see the other perspective. Next. Forgive if wrongdoing occurred. And I, I should have put before that, ask for forgiveness if wrongdoing occurred. It's so important that if we're not sharing with our siblings or we're, we've done something against our parents or, our, or we have wronged our kids in some kind of way, to ask for that forgiveness and allow forgiveness to happen. And lastly, accept. Accept what has happened. Not in a way to say, oh, I can't wait for you to do this again. Because <laughs> that's not what acceptance is. Acceptance is... Seeing the whole person and loving them and caring for them. Now, this sounds really great, right? It doesn't always work as easily as this. This is what a healthy relationship looks like. I get that there is, there are moments of abuse, there are moments of uses of power, and things of this nature, that this isn't going to cut it. There is going to have to be a cut off. But it's important that in those moments, that no matter how deep in that person is to the abuse, to the addiction, to whatever it might be, to make sure they know how much it has affected you. It's always important to share, to have this opportunity maybe for redemption at some point. So what this looks like very simply is this. You have a sibling that drives you nuts and seems to get all the attention. Yeah, even as adults, it's okay. It's okay to, to like, oh, he's all right. Encourage a healthy relationship with your parents. Always, seriously, like, seek out your brother and sister and say, you know, it's good for you to talk to mom and dad. It's good for you to, to have this relationship and understand the differences and forgive often. Sometimes you learn to keep your mouth shut sometimes. I've had to do that myself. Parents, if you have adult children, you might have in-laws, son-in-laws, daughter-in-laws. Don't, don't treat them in a way that causes hostility. Whether or not they were good enough, whether or not they were good enough for your son or daughter doesn't, doesn't change the fact that they're now in your family for the rest of your life. Parents, if you have younger kids or even adult kids, don't compare your kids. And don't do it in front of the other kids. Your sister never does this. Yeah, that's a great way to 
to start the relationship right there. It's okay to disapprove, but accept everything about your kids. Celebrate the uniqueness in your family. Disapprove of sin, but I want to tell you, please, 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 don't cut off relationship because of disapproval. Unless it is a case of abuse. Hey, kids. Kids. Hey, kids. Look up here. Up here. Look at me. Okay? Look. When your parents, when your parents say that you're grounded, when your parents, they discipline you, they're not doing it because they don't love you. They're doing it because they do love you. They're trying for you to learn something brand new in your life. Okay? They approve of you. They love you. They just didn't like what you did. And you got to learn from that, okay? And adult kids, that means all the rest of you, adults. Your parents are allowed to disagree with you. <gasps> They're allowed to. But still seek relationship with them. Talk through the differences. Love them completely. The reality of this is, is that there's no easy solution. There's no one-size-fits-all thing to our relationships with our siblings. But I can tell you that I have seen humans display the love that God displays in this passage. I've seen it because I've seen kids stare at their parents, do exactly the thing opposite of what they asked, and still love them at the end of the day. Don't you touch that. Get over here. Why did you do that? I've seen the unforgivable to be forgiven. I've seen this divine love and acceptance. I've seen siblings get along. I know that's a miracle in of itself. But we cannot give up on one another because we disapprove. That is not love. I'm going to end with maybe something you've seen in the news lately. Have any of you seen this news article about a 30-year-old uh, who's being kicked out by his parents? It's being done in the courts. And, and I get it. News reports don't always include everything. But this was the thing that really, really got me, okay? As I read this story, the story continuously talks about, oh, it's not on here anymore, okay. It continuously talks about how the parents all of a sudden, I mean, it doesn't, there's not a lot of context, but it sounds like this 30-year-old's been living with them for a while for the reasons because he cannot support himself. Whatever that might mean, okay? It's New York City. To support yourself in New York City is to, like, be a millionaire, basically. 
It's very expensive in New York City. So for whatever reason it was, they decide enough is enough. And what the story that I read is they drop notes to this kid, this 30-year-old kid, not much younger than me. And I'm thinking to myself, I get why you're dropping notes right now. You're dropping notes so that you have a, you have a, a, a paper trail. You can go to court if you have a paper trail of these notes. My question is, were there ever discussions or were they just notes? Because if all of a sudden one day the expectation of a kid changes and we didn't communicate other than a note, they're probably not going to get it. Now, they probably did have a conversation. I get that. But that is not the way to go through these conflicts and these differences together. And it sure isn't going out to the courts in such a way and, and doing it in front of a national audience. It only ostracizes and will probably cause far more damage to that relationship otherwise. Now some of them are saying, he probably needs to get out. Totally get that perspective. But there seems to be that lack of sharing with one another the perspectives that need to happen. And I can see in this moment the son mistaking disapproval for acceptance. And that relationship might never be the same ever again. It's important, friends, to go through this with one another. To remember that family is the unit of loving care. And in the midst of differences, to lovingly care for one another through the conflict. Thank you for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. For more information about our ministries, visit us at championnaz.org.